Hello and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and this is episode number nine. We're trucking. We're almost at ten. Double digits. Shit's for real. Anyways, uh, we have an exciting announcement. We are now part of the Punk News Podcast Network. Uh, They have a few other shows like Wizard's Beard that covers metal and hardcore And then they also have the Punk News Podcast, which they do weekly, where they discuss a lot of the news that they have posted on their website. And for those of you that don't know what Punk News is, visit punknews.org. It's a great site as far as the daily comings and goings of what's been happening with bands. Um, And it's cool because they don't get too, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, tabloidy, you know, where it's like, oh, this band farted in the recording studio. Because you obviously see a lot of news sites that do that. And that's fine, because I read those as well. But uh, yeah, Punk News definitely tries to uh, consolidate and put out only the kind of most important news, so to speak. But uh, in any event, we're really excited. We, as in I, am really excited because those dudes, uh, they're great people. And I'm excited to be working with them. So hopefully, if you found out about this show through them, awesome. Keep listening. Um, yes, and for those of you that might just be joining the show, uh, subscribe to the show through iTunes. Um, that way you'll get every new episode when I post it on Tuesday mornings. And, uh, if you are already subscribed, do one more thing for me. Just rate the show. Because the more ratings we get, the more popular we are, the cooler that we look, and maybe potentially someone to iTunes is like, oh, hey, this show's cool, let's feature it on the homepage, and make it insanely popular because it's crazy, but that stuff happens in a matter of an episode. So anyways, um, I have been receiving a lot of great emails recently, uh, with people just kind of, you know, either showing their support for the show, um, or like I've suggested in the past, uh, people that are wanting to, wanting me to interview certain people. So like future show suggestions and guests. Um, yeah. Some of those have been coming in, and they've been uh, they've been really cool. It just shows that a lot of people that are interested in this type of content, like we think the same way. Where it's like a lot of people have emailed me, like, "Oh, hey, get this person and this person." And I've been like, "They're on my list. That's awesome." So we're on the same page of what we define as "quote unquote" interesting people. So it's nice, you know, it's that sense of community, that camaraderie, that kinship, all that stuff that we obviously crave and like from independent music as a whole. Um, my guest this week is uh, Chris Bruni. He is the owner of Profound Lore Records, and uh, some of you in the more hardcore community uh, are like, what's Profound Lore Records? I have not heard of it. Um, it's because it, special- it specializes in metal and different genres of extreme metal from you know doom to black um, and kind of all the shades thereof. Um, I've been a fan of the label, um, for a while, just kind of watching it rise to prominence, uh, ever since I was at Century Media Records, I kind of saw what Chris was doing and, um, just really respected it because it's a one-man operation, um, run like a lot of the great independent labels have been over the years, um, and he just, you know, manages a lot of it himself, or not a lot, all of it himself, and has been able to receive a lot of mainstream attention, uh, most notably with his, uh, the working with that band Agaloc, um, who was an absolutely incredible band for anybody who, who is a fan of progressive music that can be falling under the heavy category. Um, yeah, he got to work with that band and release uh, a record called Marrow of the Spirit, but anyways, um, I just thought he was a really, uh, I just thought the label was a really interesting thing. Um, and I think that a lot of his ethics and framework in which he created the label uh, definitely draw parallels to the punk and hardcore community, even though that's something that he may not have initially come from. Um, so yeah, and he definitely speaks about how the label started. And, you know, because I, I think when you are growing up with this type of music, Everybody has an idea of like, oh, I want to do a record label. I mean, I did a record label. I put out you know, three releases before I was like, oh, this shit's way too hard. Um, and I also didn't hurt that I didn't have any more money to put into it. Um, 
but everybody kind of wants to do that. And so it's really cool to see a person be able to be successful on some level um, at that and do it on his own terms because, um, you know, there are many times where other labels see something successful. When I say other labels and other larger labels, and then, you know, either try to buy it out or help them. And, um, you know, sometimes that help is good and benefits the label. And then other times it might get chewed up and spit out, so to speak. But regardless, I had a really interesting conversation with Chris. He is Canadian. So I apologize for, uh, the, I think in the first, yeah, this is the ninth episode. So we've had two Canadians so far. Um, I love Canada, so you're going to have to deal with it. Um, anyways, uh, I also wanted to kind of hit on two other things that I recently partook in that were fun and interesting. Uh, there's this comedian slash podcaster named Doug Benson. Uh, he does this thing called the Benson Interruption in Los Angeles where basically it's himself and usually two or three other comedians that uh, watch a movie a la Mystery Science Theater 3000 where they basically take this movie, usually it's a bad movie, and then make fun of it throughout the show. Um, so it was a really interesting experience because it's this really small theater. There's maybe like 150, 200 people there. All these shows sell out well in advance. Um, and so we saw the movie John Carter, um, which I actually was interested in seeing myself just based on some sentimentality of it. Um, but it was it was a funny experience just because, you know, the common conception of watching a movie is that you're supposed to watch it uh, in silence or, you know, obviously not speak to anybody. So it was kind of interesting to have that sort of like stand up comedy meets, you know, the movie atmosphere because, you know, the people were chatty, uh, even though, I mean, the movie was as bad as people said it was and not just from a, it was basically just from like the most confusing movie I've seen recently. Like I missed maybe the first 15 minutes of it and then walked into it. And I, I barely had any idea what was going on. I just knew that this guy was running around and trying to hurt people and whatever. Anyway, so that was an interesting experience. And then later on that evening, I saw Nazem, which is a Swedish grind extreme band. Um, the vocalist passed away in those, uh, back in, I want to say 2008 or 2009, those, uh, that terrible tsunami that hit Thailand, um, he actually passed away from that. And it was really sad because, you know, we as an independent culture sometimes feel bubbled from a lot of the uh, outside world. And anytime a national or, yeah, national glo or global, that's probably a better way to put it, a global tragedy happens, sometimes it doesn't really impact us from the independent culture standpoint. So then when something like that happens, it's like, oh, wow, like, Obviously, a lot of people are affected by this, and, you know, we as a community are also affected by it. Um, but anyway, so they were doing one last tour of the States uh, with a different vocalist, one of their friends, who, um, yeah, to just basically pay tribute to him and uh, give people a chance to see the band that uh, weren't able to in the first place. So it was really interesting because I saw them in downtown Los Angeles at a uh, just a random hall uh, that was definitely a place that you could have shows, but uh, not on the regular, not a place like, you know, Chain Reaction here in Southern California. Um, so it was an inter interesting experience because usually those type of shows draw people that uh, might not typically go to those sort of venues just because it's either out of the way um, or they're just not interested in it. So um, it, was a, it was definitely an interesting night of uh, independent culture, as it were, um, so I appreciated that. And, um, yeah, on that tip and on that note, here's the conversation that I had with uh, Chris Bruni from Profound Lore. We caught up over the phone slash Skype, uh, one afternoon, uh, from his home office in Mississauga, Ontario. Uh, and we kind of jumped into the conversation of, you know, hipster black metal, uh, just because his label has been pegged that occasionally. Um, so yeah, here's our conversation. Hope you enjoy. Not really from it's, it's from like indie rock, you know, some of the hardcore. 
you know, and some of those people who are into that, right. you know, post-metal and quote-unquote hipster black metal shit <laughs> or whatever. That's the support. I, I get no support from, like, the actual metal scene because a lot of the people involved in that scene are fucking clueless about right. anything in general, so... <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it seems that there's such a wide... Uh... <clears throat> such a huge difference from like I mean because you look at Toronto you look at like Hamilton you look at all those areas but then you drive two hours to like Buffalo and it's like yeah. the music scenes could obviously not be more vastly different and it's just so weird like yeah totally and the like I, I distinctly remember like um, uh, I, I know you know that band Alexis on Fire like yeah yeah from St. Oh, yeah. from St. Catharines which is like literally half an hour from the border and like could not be you know you would not be fooled if you place that city anywhere in America as far as like a person saying that oh this is in a different country um, yeah, yeah and I just remember it's like playing like playing in Rochester with them where it's like they did have a lot of people from Canada that come over that came over to their show but it was just like this 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 such a wide and it, it's like they would play Rochester to 200 people and then they would play to St. Catharines, and obviously it's like, you know, thousands of people. And it's just right. like, it, it's so funny, that huge, like, so you, you you yourself have seen that kind of gap where it's like people, you know, within the American metal scene that obviously would not understand the context of the Canadian metal scene, so to speak? So, yeah, I guess, I guess in a way, I see a lot of respect for it. Mm-hmm. I think coming from, you know, some people in America... But I'm not sure. That's kind of be kind of hard for me to answer. I mean, I know like I've always associated Hamilton with a more hardcore, sure, a hardcore scene. You know, even like shallow North North Dakota. Yep, for sure. I believe, yeah, I believe from Hamilton, and you know, again, that's the whole base of Good or Goodfellow Records was based, was based out of. So yeah, I've always seen Hamilton as more of a hardcore mm-hmm. kind of scene. So I've always associated Hamilton with that. Um, but uh, Toronto's kind of you know, it has its own different set. You know, different segment. You know, segments. Right, uh, right. Even today, like you got the, like the metal, like the metal crowd. You have like, you know, the indie crowd that filters into, you know, the you know, cool metal, underground metal music and hardcore. Right. So I guess that's where kind of like I guess, you know, my the people who appreciate what I do. Sure. From Toronto, they kind of dwell dwell out of. Uh-huh. Whereas, like there's a lot, a lot of the the metal scene in Toronto, they lot they like to they they support a lot of, you know, metal on big labels, like you know, Nuclear Blast, Metal, Central Media, Metal, sure, stuff like that. So it's you know it's a it's a, you know it's it's a mix. Yeah. So like, where did where did you kind of you know start cut cutting your teeth into uh, the musical world and you know kind of what was your uh, your gateway? Like gate, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Gateway. Yeah. Well, I, I was always I have. You know, I've always been around older people, like my cousins, even people, like older people at school who are always into, you know, music. Especially, I guess it started with my cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, my you know my cousins were, you know, they were huge, you know, they're huge Rush fans. So I'd be exposed to that every time I go visit, visit them up north. You know, bands like Rush, Van Halen, um, even, you know, pop music like, like, um, like Duran Duran as well, too. Mm-hmm. So just through, I guess, through them discovering, discovering music in general, and being so, being kind of exposed to it through bands like that. Were and you, then, uh, were you in a, were you an only child, or do you have brothers or sisters? I have a younger sister. Oh, okay, yeah, because usually it's like you do find the older sibling sort the of. The older sibling, yeah. I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that, but like you know, I would go up north where my cousins lived. Um, my cousins lived and. You know, it's where my father's side of the family is based on. It's about, um, so we we go up and you know, we hang out. They'd have their record collection. We just you know they play music all the time, and you know that's how I would discover these bands. And then they had we had um you know we had the much music, you know the video television sure the video television show. So I'd I'd watch that as a kid quite a bit, and then they they'd have like the heavy metal hour. Yeah, I was gonna say because did they didn't because obviously here in the states they had Headbangers Ball. Like, did they have right. some? Did, that was something that was had up on much music as well. We didn't have Headbangers Ball. We had the Power Hour. Okay. Something and it was called the Power Hour, and then it was like if I can remember, it was like once a week for an hour, and then it was like 
then they then they did it like Monday to Thursday, half an hour each day. I forget like they did it in certain cycles. But when you're a kid and you watch, you know, you'd watch, we'd watch much music and even you know with my cousins and my we'd see videos by like Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, the Bark at the Moon video, yeah, and Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast video, Motley Crue's Too Young to Fall in Love video. Those are like the first impressions. I've got of like heavy music mm-hmm. that really made an impression seeing their seeing the actual music videos. And again, like when you know, when I was a you know, eight years old or whatever, you know, there were older kids at school, like I'd have like a babysitter or, you know, someone who would, you know, you know, walk with me to walk me to school and, you know, their friends would be into stuff like, you know, heavy music as well too. So I I kind of I was kind of exposed to that, you know, at a young age. That it made an impression uh, pretty easily at that young age. So sure. just by watching the videos and being around older people, I yeah. remember there was there was even there was an there was an older guy in elementary school. Like I was about like this in the second grade, and this older guy, his name was his name was Rich, and I'll like I'll never forget this guy. He you know he had the prototypical '80s metal look. He he'd give me like you know Motley Crue pictures from magazines. <laughs> And all that, yeah. and you know, I said, uh, you know, he used to just give them to me. He's like, here, check this out here, you know, and um, he used to give this stuff to me, and you know, I kind of put him up on the wall, my wall or whatever in my room, and I was about like eight years old at the time. Wow. So that's how, yeah, that's how it kind of, kind of started, and it just, I guess, snowballed from there. Oh, I mean, of I was course. also, I was also listening to you know the typical pop music and rock music. Right. Too, but um, that, that's interesting. <clears throat> I find it interesting that you had so many different inputs in regards to that music, um, and it, it seems like you might have been like after you were exposed to a little bit, were you just like insanely curious? And basically, anybody that was kind of like older than you, you started to, you know, be able to siphon off bits of information from them because <laughs> it sounds like oh, you, had, it, you had more yeah, than one person of, coming in. Yeah, kind of in a way, and then like people who were in my class, we kind of feed off each other as well too because. Yeah. There are also people I grew up with who were really into music. Um, you know, a friend of mine was really into music um, because his older brother was, he had an older brother who exposed him to, you know, to the Beatles, for example. Sure. So we had, you know, we'd feed off even, you know, people in class, you know, classmates as well, too. Yeah. So, so were you... But it wasn't, it wasn't just metal. It was, it was like everything. Right, right. You know, sometimes we weren't allowed to, you know, sometimes we were kind of self-conscious about... When you're a small, when you're a small kid, you're self-conscious about some of the, you know, you listen to metal and it's like, oh, maybe they won't, you know, you'd be kind of scared that they wouldn't like you because you like this. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, know, you can't. Scary music. So you you were conscious about that. And even when I was like a teenager, I mean, when you know, when I was listening to like Deicide more, the early Deicide more, but any of stuff, like I, I'd even have cousins who'd be like, who who'd try to deter me from listening to that, saying. Well, if I if I buy you know these if I buy these bands that support a satanic message, you know you are supporting their cause. Right. You know you're supporting their quote unquote satanic cause and et cetera et cetera. And you know that obviously because they were family members, you know I I had a few cousins closer to my age kind of instill that in me. And at the time, I was just kind of like, this is, you know, still a teenager, and I was kind of like, you know, it, it, it's, it somehow rubs off on you a little bit. Of course. You, you make yourself a bit conscious. But then a couple of years later, I'm like, you think to yourself, why the fuck was I even listening to that? <laughs> you, like, I, 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 I feel like, like a total idiot and a fool. Right. Or even fall, like, even trying to attempt to fall and kind of listen to them and try to kind of go toward their way. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's, well, it's like, yeah. this is like the different phases of listening to this music and being impressionable by the people who you know surround you. It's been interesting when you think about it. So yeah, that that's that's interesting. Like, so did uh, were I mean, were you raised like a certain type of faith? And like, did was that sort of the you know the family kind of being like leaning on your cousins to be like, oh man, like. They need to get you know, they need to get Chris out of this, otherwise he's gonna go down. No, there. actually, my parents have always been. They've never questioned any of the music I release. I mean, I I've listened to growing up. Sure, never. It's I mean, it. You know, I had Motley Crue shirts. Shout yeah. out the Devil shirts as a little kid, and my my parents have never questioned that. That's cool. 
which is kind of weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> when, I, when I think about it, and because my, you know, my father, he's, you know, he's always been a Catholic. He, mm-hmm. you know, he goes to church regularly, but he doesn't. My parents have never questioned. I mean, especially in Ireland, when I started listening to death metal, I mean, right. you were to come to my, you were to come to my house, that's all you'd be hearing out of my room. You can obviously hear it all over the house. Sure. And you're not, so it's not, they've never been like, what is this? Interesting. They've never, they've never questioned that. So, um, because yeah, you you typically, uh, I mean, that's like atypical of a person that enters the sort of metal world, because obviously like everything that a teenager gets into, you do it like 150%. So obviously, yeah. you know, you're like, I, I, I didn't listen to this, you know, extreme metal or death metal because to rebel against anyone. Right. Right. I, I just, I just really liked it. I found it intriguing and it was just kind of like, you know, you want to, I've always, I guess, been unconsciously wanting to push myself to hear, music, you know, like you get into, you know, Metallica, Slayer, and you want to push it even further. So you want to see like, okay, well, how much more can I, you know, how much can my musical threshold go from here? Sure. So I was always, I was just intrigued by it. It wasn't, it wasn't, had nothing to do with rebellion or that I wanted to stick out. Right. Um, of any, it had, it has nothing to do with that. I mean, as a kid, it's, but yeah, because it's, we- it's 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 sorry, it's weird because now what I do with the record label, the releases I do, I actually have more of a rebellion kind of attitude mm-hmm. towards certain things. But such like such as like the type just, of music that you would maybe release, or just the stuff, just the stuff like the stuff I release is kind of it's really personal, and I got it. I see it as I don't want to see it as like a you know, I see it in a way, in a little bit. It's a bit, of, it's a, it's a rebellion against a lot of bad metal coming out again. Oh, sure. You know the system, you know the so-called music industry system on a, on how things should be run. You know, on how things should be. You know, on how things should be played upon to help a label grow. And right. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's. You know, I'm kind of going against the grain of a lot of things. So consciously today. Yeah, that's. I guess you could say that's part of the process on how I run the label. Sure. Um, well, yeah. You know, when you... I release when I release something like, you know, a death metal album, this is. I want this to be, you know, I want this to, you know, this 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 kind of death metal is what real real death metal should be like, not this other crap that's being considered death metal. That's not death metal. So in a way, it's kind of like a statement against a lot of this stuff that's false so to speak. Right. Hey, you're, but you're, I was, you're, you're catching, you're catching up for any sort of uh, rebellion you were supposed to do as your teenage years. Now, basically the music, the, the music industry is your parent and you're being like, no, I'm going to do this. I guess you could see it in that way. There's <laughs> yeah. some, I have some sort of repressed, repressed <laughs> repression in me that I guess, I mean, when I, when I, when I was in high school and all that, it's not like I was a loner or anything. I mean, I had a lot of, no, I, people might have thought I was a little weird, but I, you know, I had friends. I hung out with people. Sure. I wasn't, sure. you know, I wasn't like a total loner. I mean, <laughs> it might have been hard to get a, to get laid or to get a date <laughs> with, with girls, but I mean, you know, I mean, I'm right. I mean, obviously, it paid off because I, you know, doing this is is almost like I guess you could say it's living the dream, right? right? Whereas I know no one in high school that I've grown up with who's actually living a dream right you know there's a lot of people i i grew up with in high school that you know they've always wanted to be musicians you know i knew a lot of people who always wanted to pursue music like in bands and whatnot and you know not, you know obviously it doesn't pan out they're working you know regular jobs a lot of them most of them are and i'm sure a lot of these jobs you know some of their some of them have good paying jobs as well too but you know they're all miserable right <laughs> In a way, you know, they have yeah. their legacy with their, you know, they get married, they have kids, they have their legacy sure. um, in place. I mean, so I guess doing this, doing what I do is my legacy because I'm not married and I don't have kids. So <laughs> that's the path, I guess, that was given to me. Sure. Well, yeah, that, that that's the path that you've obviously decided to kind of, you know, pursue. So when you were, you know, as you were kind of going through high school and, um, you know, did you... Uh, did you always have aspirations to be like, yo, I really need to do something with the music industry. Um, this is kind of what I want to end up being. And like, did you go to college and stuff? Yeah, no, I went to university and I did post-grad work. But, you know, when I went to, when I was in high school, I always, you know, you read 
zines and magazines and reviews of stuff. I've always wanted to, I guess, I guess get involved in a way, not really playing a band because I, I've never played guitar. I mean, I'm musically trained, but I've never really aspired to be to play in a band for some reason. Interesting. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I've, I've never, I didn't. I mean, I always thought it'd be cool, you know, because to play in a band because yeah, it's just you know, some friends of mine had. You know, there was a group of, in high school, there was a group of people I knew and friends that, you know, that kind of hung out in quote-unquote music circles. So, they, you know, they'd play music with each other. They'd be in the battle of the bands. And you'd always think, oh, you know, that'd be cool to get involved. But I, but I, at the same time, I didn't. Again, because I, I can, you know, I, I can't play guitar. I can never play guitar or drums or right. sing. So I was never really involved in that aspect. But in a way, it was always, I guess, you always... You know, you always thought it'd be cool to get involved, but I don't. But you never really knew how. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. If you don't, yeah. If you don't play in a band, it's not that it's not readily apparent that like, oh, I need to end up being in the music industry because this is the way that it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we like in high school, you don't think of the actual. You don't think of it as the actual music industry. You just right. wanna. You know, be around cool music, right? So, yeah. I mean, obviously, some people thought it was a little weird that I was into death metal and and whatnot in high school, and there was only like not no one else really did. Right? Maybe like two other people did, mm-hmm. if that. Um, but to you know, it's a small group, but yeah. So did you? So as you started to kind of go, well, what did you study in university? I studied. I went. I did undergrad and. So I went to film school for undergrad. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, initially, you know, that's what I wanted to get involved in, get involved in. And then years later, I did postgrad in public relations and communications. Yeah. Cause that... So I finished, I finished that about maybe five years ago. Okay. Six years ago or something like that. I think it's like five, five sure. years ago or something like that. Because so. you, you were doing, uh, prior to the label, you were doing like PR work and stuff like that, correct? Yeah, yeah, but I, I always ask myself because, I mean, the PR program I was involved in, it was a pretty prestigious program. Mm-hmm. It was recognized in North America. And sometimes I ask myself, like, you know, the way I run the label, like, would I be running it a little, any differently if I never took the program? That's something I can't really, it's kind of hard to answer. Right. I, I, do, I do on occasion ask myself that mm-hmm. because, it was, you know, I was really... I was really serious about getting in, you know, public relations and communications, not within the music industry. Maybe combining it with, you know, my film school stuff. Right. But just work in, in that actual industry, in, you know, an agent, you know, in a, a PR agency or a communications company. But not, I, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to involve music in this. So did you did did you have aspirations to like move to either New York or LA just because that's obviously the hotbeds in regards to that field? None whatsoever. No, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't really. Yeah, I wasn't. I don't think location location's not much of a like an issue. Like where I live now, it's like pretty remote, so mm-hmm. it's not um, it's nowhere near like an actual city. I mean, right. the city, the main city that you know, that I live in, it's, it's a pretty well-known technological hub. I mean, this is where the Blackberry is based, you know, the Blackberry was invented here. Sure. Um, we have a Google office here. We're getting a Facebook office here. So, um, but I think location-wise, it's not really, you know, if I want to go somewhere to see something, I'll, 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 I'll travel. I don't mind traveling. Right. Somewhere, but I, you know, it's, so as you as you were going through school, like you you had no desire to be like, all right, I want to uh, you know pick up steak and move somewhere, like move to the states for a little bit or whatever. That was just never. No, I've, I've I've never had that visiting. Yeah, like to travel there as much as I could. Yes, of course. Sure. But not not really living living there. Um, so you basically you're saying you hate America. I understand it's okay. No, no, I'm, I'm just not. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, no, 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 don't love, put words I in my love. mouth. I love visiting. I love visiting there because, you know, I know people in certain cities and, you know, I don't hang out. I'm 
dude, I'm miserable here where I am. So, alone, I'm excited, you know, when I'm even at the airport, you know, waiting to get on a, a plane to LA or New York or whatever. Sure. And get me the hell out of here. Sure, sure. You know, so yeah, I love, you know, I love hanging out in those cities. Um, so do you, do you like, do you just kind of like the sort of, you know, slower light, slower paced lifestyle, uh, remoteness aspect of it? Is that kind of what I like it there? Because it's, it's really peaceful where I live right now. And got it. So it's, you know, where, where I'm living now, you know, I got, you know, I got some friends, a circle of friends I hang out with, but they're not metal people by all means, which is fine by me. Right. It's great. Well, yeah, you yeah. got it. You, you can't consume it 24 seven and not be a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, it, no, it's, it, it, you know, it's good here. It's, you know, I mean, it suits you. It suits me. Um, like I said, it's quite remote area and sure. And then you're, and then you're busy making all of this terrible noise there. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So it's kind of, <laughs> I think it's weird because when Ken Mode won that Juno award, of course, word got around that oh, a local label, you know, it's you know, local a band, you know, the a band from a local label won a Juno, right? Local label won a Juno. So that's kind of cool that. You know, words getting around. Like the lady at the post office today, the post office I go to, she's like, "Oh my God, I heard you want a Juno," and I'm like, and I never really <laughs> bragged about it there, but I guess she heard it on the radio or saw it. Sure. She saw the name Profound Law Records, and I'm like, she's like that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the interesting thing I've also, I mean, speaking about your geographical location, the yeah, the 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 thing that I've always admired about Canada, and I mean most other developed nations besides America, is the fact that they actually do care about the arts, such as like you know your your how you Canada has the factor grants and yeah, you yeah. Know, there's a certain amount, like you were referencing much music earlier. There's obviously a certain amount of Canadian artists that need to be represented on there. Um, yeah. Have you, uh, has profound lore found any sort of, um, you know, recognition based off that fact? And have you ever got, you know, have you ever looked into, you know, support from the Canadian government or stuff? I know Jesse of Ken mode always kind of suggests that I look into stuff like this. Yeah. Like, He's all, you know, because he's, he's, uh, Ken Mode have gotten a lot of grants, government grants themselves. Yeah. And they've, they've been really successful at it too, but I've never really looked into it. I've never, I don't think I've really needed it. I mean, well, that's good. I don't know. I don't know how recognized I am in Canada in general because my sales are crap. Right. You know, my distribution here is crap. It's right. Like, give me a break. It's almost a joke. Right. You know, I, you know the Agalock album did well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an exception, though. But uh, it's, t- I mean, it's a tough market. I mean, you know, I have a distributor, but they can only do, you know, I guess they can only do so much. So sure. I've always consciously wanted to get some sort of recognition. I think with, the, with Ken Mode winning Juno, it, it, ha- you know, it, helped, a, it helped a bit. Right. Because it was literally the first time the Junos had ever had a metal hard music album award. Right. No, I, was, all- I was shocked, too. Yeah, and it's awesome. They actually gave it to a band who's actually really talented. Right. Probably one of the hardest working bands in heavy music today, and not some garbage like Kitty or... <laughs> yeah. I don't know, if, you know, even... You know, it's weird. Protest the Hero weren't even nominated. It's kind of like... That is strange. That's strange, yeah. And, you know, they sell tons of albums. Right, it's right. Kind of, it's kind of weird, but it was cool that, you know, they, they got, you know, a cool underground, hardworking, talented band you know, got this, got this award. And sure. So hopefully so, it brings recognition in a way. Right. So did you, did you actually get a statue as well? I'm waiting for mine. Oh, actually. Nice. Personalized and everything. Uh, well, I think Ken Mode's name's on there. I'm not sure if the label name is on there as well too. Sure. I'll have to see. I, I'll have to see. I don't know. I mean, when Ken Mode won, won it, they had to give the statue back. Right. And they're going to get like the three members are going to get their own complimentary statues. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, we're, yeah, I'm waiting for, I'm literally waiting for it. So. Well, yeah, then, then, in, if the label falls on hard times for a few months and cash flow is a problem, you can obviously just put that on eBay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I could put that on eBay. I could put a few Agalock albums on eBay. Exactly. Put some <laughs> test presses up there. You're done. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. 
something I something I've noticed in some of the other interviews that you've done. Um, you know, you've always kind of mentioned yourself uh, being uh, well. You, you didn't actually use these words. This is definitely me just placing this on you. But correct me if yeah. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. But you definitely, uh, you, you know, you calculate your growth, and part of that calculation, I think, is the fact that you yourself are a control freak in a way, where it's like I like to have this much involvement in the label. I don't really like to you know, farm out too much besides your right. obvious, like manufacturing, like you, you yourself are not going to own a, a manufacturing plant. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Like, do you, so is that, is that kind of part and parcel? Like, does that weigh in your mind where it's just like, you really have to think about things before you want to make a next quote unquote next step with the label? In a way, in a way. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I work with Josh when it comes to publicity and stuff like that. Right. So it's kind of like it's. I mean, it's always good to have the extra help, but when I don't need it, I like I don't really need it. So I mean, I guess it all. I guess it all depends. Um, I don't know. It's kind of. Yeah, I'd like to have. You know, I like to have as much control as possible. Sure. Um, on most things, but it's always good to have. You know, another set of eyes. Um. Sure. So you, you're and you're I, not you're not opposed, obviously, people helping you. It's just it needs to make sense internally for you. It needs you. to make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind people, you know, keeping an eye out for keeping an eye out for me, or you know, having a second. Oh, a second. I don't mind having second opinions. Of course. That's. I think that's that's an essential thing to have sure. a second opinion on a lot of things. Um, you know, or have people to go to advice to, or and whatnot. It's always always good to have stuff like that. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's always a fine line between all that stuff anyways, so. And so, and kind of with that, like, you know, obviously the label is getting more attention in regards to, you know, obviously a lot of the plugs that you were mentioning where it's like Juno's and, you know, everybody obviously always talks to you about your relationship with Scion and everyone speaks about the fact that NPR gives a shit about what you're doing. Um, Yeah, now it's like, yeah, um. And you're like, yo, I've been doing this for a few years. Thanks for paying attention now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the Scion, yeah, I mean, I was with the Scion thing since the beginning. Right. Um, because Adam Shore has always been aware of, you know, he's been a fan of the stuff I've done for a pretty long time. So he's, he's always been a supporter. And it, it's just grown from there. Um, the NPR thing, I'm not sure... You know, some people have said I started the whole NPR metal trend, and now every metal label is trying to get their stuff on NPR. Well, of course. Yeah, but well, it's, it's, it's it's cool. I don't know. I don't know if there was the first time I saw something on NPR of mine was when um, I think something from the second Kralis album was posted mm-hmm. on like some sort of year end thing. Sure. And everyone's free. I was like, oh my god, Kralis on NPR, and I'm like, oh cool. That's really cool, and yeah, like, I'll take but that. I don't know how much I don't know how much metal was actually they covered prior to that, I right? So I, I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, according to a lot of people, I was like the first time like something like some extreme metal was actually mentioned on NPR. Sure, and so and now I, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just no, gonna, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say basically, you know, you you seem like an open-minded enough individual, especially with the type of music that you release and just basically how you present yourself and the label out there. Um, that this attention obviously does not bother you, where a lot of other people, mostly just from the fan perspective of things, and obviously the whole idea of selling out and keeping things true and all that bullshit. Um, yeah. You know, so you, this obviously doesn't bother you. Like you've, you've, you know, made whatever quote unquote piece you have in your own mind where it's just like, I, I just want the most amount of people to listen to this music or is there, are there other goals that you kind of have in regards to just exposing the stuff that you do on the label? Yeah, you, you know, I, yeah, I do want as many people to listen to this, to, to listen to this uh, as much, to listen to this stuff as much as possible. Um, it doesn't. Growth, need, it doesn't need to be an exclusive club. No, no, I don't, not really. I think you know everyone. Something everyone's welcome to. I mean, I, I like certain things when you know certain things I release. If it's like a you know, I, I kind of if, if if you talk about a genre like death metal mm-hmm. or something, I, I like at least like the people 
you know, to understand what real death metal should be. So it's my, I feel like it's my, I guess, prerogative or mission to kind of school them on, this is the death metal you should be listening to. Got it. Because it's the real shit. So, I, you know, you kind of want people to understand, to understand as well, too. And I think these people are open to understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, I don't know, it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's it's just, sometimes I act in a way that, you know, if I release, like, something black metal related that, yeah, this is for, you know, real black metal, I guess a real black metal purist. Sure. Uh, so I, you know, so at the same time, I do have that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, the, thought, but, the, the thought goes through your head. Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, when something's like, real and genuine i stress it yeah this is real and what i think is real and genuine within the within said genre not you know this not what this other band is doing or not what these other um trends are following yeah trends or labels or whatever are doing so there's a bit of it's a bit of both i guess sure but there's nothing i'm not gonna you know it's not like you know, it's like, I, you know, I'm an elitist, but at the same time, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of weird in that way. You're, may, you're maybe a calculated elitist. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or you, 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 it seems like, you know, you put thought into it, whereas like you, you obviously aren't following the musical trends to find out what's going to be hip in the next, you know, year or two. You kind, yeah, of, yeah. you kind of release what you want based on your gut feeling towards the music. Um, and you obviously make it um, as widely available as you can within, of the, within the comforts of your own um, level. Obviously. I know, I know, I know there's some, you know, some stuff I release that can only go so far with certain, you know, certain people. Sure. Um, you know, you, you kind of expect that. So, right. But I mean, you know, when you take a band like Paul Bear, for example, I mean, that, this band should be heard by everybody. Yes, they should. Yeah, they should. So why should I? Why should they be limited to just a doom metal? Right. So, you know, why should they just tour with, you know, these really heavy? Why should they just be limited to, to playing in front of a doom metal audience? Right. You know, this is a band that could, you know, that can cross over, you know, with people. I listen to I don't know Mastodon, mm-hmm. um, Baroness. Sure. So why shouldn't why should, you know? There's no reason why these people shouldn't get exposed to Paul Bear. Right. So, or you know, Yob opening up for Tool. I mean, you know, you, you'll you'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Why? It's amazing. Why not? Right. So, and kind of with that, like you. The way that the label is going um, as of late, uh, you, you know, you've you've always kind of made it clear that you know you do run a professional operation. You know, you do kind of work with contracts and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What what I mean, what things have made you like as you've kind of been forced to do things that maybe initially you didn't have plans to do so. You know, what kind of what concessions have you made where it's like, all right, I have to do this because. Um, you know, this is just either the way the business is or whatever, you know, what concessions have you made that you're like, man, that's a bummer, but I just kind of have to do it. Yeah. Stuff like basic contracts are done when you put, you know, when you put money or an investment into it. Right. Um, I mean, it's still pretty loose in a way, but you got to sometimes follow protocol to, you know, I guess. Protect your investment in a way. You know, yeah, protect it in a way, and just you know, follow a certain follow a certain procedure. Just just so things are run. You know, there's you know it, when things are when things run, and there's a certain procedure around certain things. There's more of an understanding between both parties. Of course. So and you want that, right? So that's I guess that's really the reason why. Um, you know why? Why I'll do stuff like that, just so there's, you know, there's a trust factor involved, but there's also, you know, there's some extra padding to it. Sure. So there's an understand, a mutual understanding between both parties, what they can expect from one another. So that that's really the reason why stuff like that gets drafted. Right. Um, 
Has there, has there been anything else that you you've had to kind of step out of your comfort zone to do just because you know it is sort of the the protocol that you're talking about? Uh, well, like I hate, I pretty much, I'm not really the biggest fan of advertising. Okay. But I do it. I mean, you know, I advertise pretty much in every issue of Decibel magazine, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it makes sense. Sure. Um, in a way, but yeah, I'm not really. I've never, I remember, I remember when the label was still growing, right? I used to have, you know, there, you know, there was a, a person who ran one label, that person and label will not be mentioned. No problem. But I used to see him, you know, I used to contact him just for advice because I was close to him and I knew him since the label started out of his apartment. And I remember asking him for advice. And he's like, well, I'm, you know, about distribution and everything. And he'd, he'd always tell me, if you're going to grow your label, you have to, you have to spend, you know, this amount, thousands of dollars in marketing per release, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, re- okay. I wasn't, I was kind of, kind of felt, you know, not thrown off, but it was just kind of like, okay, so that's what I got to do, right. whatever. But I've never like the late, the way the label has grown has not been because I've gone on marketing campaigns or, you know, thrown all this money into these big advertising campaigns to build awareness. I mean, that's not really the reason how the label grew. Um, Sure. It's just been a slow, you know, culminating effect that's kind of just grown naturally and that's, you know, that's the way you're, Things and that's the way it should. It shouldn't have to be forced. Nothing was forced. Sure. Yeah. You don't. Label. You don't have to. You don't have to throw a bunch of money at something. I mean, that may get results quicker, but those results might not be at the end of the day what you're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not. You know, I want. I just want things to grow naturally. Yeah. Um, not. I don't want. I don't. I don't want things to. You know. I don't want to. You know. I don't want to do something contrived or forced just to kind of help bring awareness to the label, like doing big ad campaigns or, sure. I don't know. I don't feel like, I mean, every year when I do, you know, when I calculate all my, you know, when I prepare for my taxes and everything, like, you know, every year it's always like the advertising, but you know, the advertising, what I spend on advertising kind of grows. Sure. It grows year by year, but you know, I'm, I've been open to it, but you know, I don't want anything to be forced with the label. I just want everything to come naturally. And it's like, you know, the reason why I work with a band like Agaloc or Yob is not, it's not because, okay, this is the band I need to kind of help take the label to the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, they it naturally will happen, but it's just that, I, you know, I'm friends with these guys and it's, it's a natural thing that I work with these bands. Yeah, so... I find that, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point because, you know, w- labels, they obviously employ A&R pre- people. I was an A&R person at Century Media and I was responsible. Right. I mean, a lot of it was based on the fact that I did have pre-existing relationships with people and there was a level of trust there. Um, yeah. And so, but, <clears throat> you know, you, you yourself are doing it all. Um, you know, do you find yourself like having to do sort of that? you know, A&R game where you have to, like, chase a band and kind of, you know, prove profound lore's worth? Or do you have, you know, do you kind of rely on, like, hey, I'd love to work with you. Um, if you are if you want to talk, like, I'm here and I'm available, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, fly it's, out. It's, fly it's out mostly... The... Go ahead. It's mostly, been, it's, it's mostly been like that, like you were just explaining. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's maybe been... I think one band where I really pursued. Okay. In a way, just because, you, you know, the, the guy in the band is a good friend of mine, uh-huh. and I'm a big fan of the band. They ended up signing to Relapse, ultimately. <laughs> You're like, damn, my work just didn't pay off. No. <laughs> well, it, but it wasn't work, though. It was just like, I mean, the guy in the band is a really good friend of mine, and, you know, we always talk and all that, and he just came up with a thing, yeah, I want to do your next album. And then he'd, he'd be like, well... You know, if Metal Blade come with me with a lot of money, you know, I'm going to go with them. And I'm like, that's totally cool. Got it. And then, and then the relapse, you know, relapse came into the picture because, you know, because I guess they're trying to branch out 
Mm. You know, they want to see if they can get like the the satanic death metal crowd. Um, they're trying to branch out to that crowd with with this band. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you know, it's cool. It's, you know, it's not like it's not like I'm crushed or anything. Right. It's not like you're, you're wrong. It's not like you're uh, you know posting on your your Tumblr saying I hate relapse or the worst label of all no, time. No, no, I love no, <laughs> I love the relapse guy. You know, I love the relapse guys. I think they're one of the best you know heavy music labels today. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's good. You know, okay, if you want to go with relapse, yeah, it's totally cool with me. Sure. You know, even um, that's fine. I mean, I got other things up my sleeve anyways, so right. <laughs> I'm not too worried. I'm still, you know, I'm still occupied. And sure. even with, you know, with, you know, even Hooded Menace went to Relapse and everyone's like, oh, Relapse poached Hooded Menace from you. And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, I did the one album with them. That was cool with me. If they want to move on, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's, that's fine. I didn't really fight to keep them on. <laughs> Here, want, you, here's my, you here's my, re- you, you want to go to Relapse? That's fine. I mean, Right. Dude, this year I'm releasing, you know, I got some really pretty epic, epic, uh, monolithic, you know, death doom I'm releasing this year, so I'm not worried anyways. Right, right. You're like, I already you have, already have Yeah, you're like, I've, I have a lot of work. It'd be great if we were to work together again, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, ex- no, exa- exactly. So it's just like, yeah, by all means, go ahead. Obviously, right. there's some bands I have more of a personal connection with. Right. Um, in a way, so I mean, every band is a you know a different level, but sure. Um, yeah, it, it's just like everything's just again back to that whole natural process of things working themselves out. I mean, I don't I don't go out of my way to you know really chase a band down. I mean, there have been times where I've talked to the band, mm-hmm. but. I usually leave it in their hands and then they'll end up going with another label because that label has really been pursuing them. Right. Sometimes I'll be like, well, I think I might've gotten them if I pursued them more consistently, but you know, I just put the feelers out there. We talk and then leave it up to them. So, I mean, there's some bands obviously that I really, you know, want to work with and I'll go that, that little extra effort to, to make it happen. But it's it's very, you know, it's not really. It's not all the time. It's like sure. the odd time that you know that comes up. It's not like all the time I gotta right chase a band down and try to cock block another label. Right, right, right. No, it's not really like that. Like with with Agalock, I mean, with a band like Agalock, that was like that was in the works for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was you know that, that was gonna happen any regardless. When they when they left from the end records, Got and it was funny when Agalock announced their you know their when they severed their ties with their former label, the end records, everyone was exploding on the forums. Which label are they going to work with next? So and it, it was kind of funny reading that because I because we already knew. Right, you're like <laughs> you know, I, I, I know. Uh, it's like you know it's already it's already said. So it was just you know and even you know even Yob it was in. So that was kind of like a natural thing, mm-hmm. how how that all came together. Even, you know, Yakuza, again, it was all, everything just kind of snowballed from initial conversations you have with these, you know, with these musicians. Sure, sure. And, and then, now, and you then, know. Yeah, now you've established, I mean, now Profound Lore's established where, you know, if, if people want to work with you, they obviously know kind of where to reach you and your reputation hopefully will precede you that they'll obviously want to work with that, you. that that's all you can hope for, i can hope for right in a way there everything now is just like referrals from other you know referrals from other people other bands friends i know sure who are in other bands and people i trust right so that's essentially usually how it how it works and obviously i have no problem with working with a new band if i really like them i want to work with them right right so some of some really new bands will have buzz, you know, from their demo. Sure. Yeah, again, Paul Bear. You know, that. So, I've, I definitely do not oppose working with new bands at all. Because I know there's some labels out there who will not work with new bands at all. Mm-hmm. Because they know it's, 
Yeah, it's a it's, know, a, it's a risk in a way. It, it, it'd be a risk for them. They can't really afford to put their resources in these bands that haven't really played live much, or you know, have maybe one album, self-released album out or demo. So sure, but I've never. For me, it's like it's never been a problem to do that. I you know, it's awesome to work with an unknown band and bring awareness to them. Definitely can. Yeah, yeah, it's a great feeling. That's probably one of the most fulfilling feelings you can have or accomplishments sure you know to, to do stuff like that yeah so. give them give them a platform to express themselves yeah um, for sure where um okay say obviously in a year profound lore continues to uh expand and you know do do what you guys are doing and release or when i say you guys i mean you <laughs> do <laughs> do what do what you do um <clears throat> I'm sure at some point there's obviously been labels sniffing around you and obviously sniffing around your bands and kind of throw, okay. throwing proposals your direction as far as like, oh, maybe if we buy out 49% of your company and all that type of stuff. You know, oh, no. How, hmm. how, have you, uh, how have you handled you know, those sort of interesting offers that have come across your table where it's like, on one hand, it's exciting because people are showing an interest in what you're doing, but on the other hand, it's obviously like, Huh, this is kind of weird. I don't know how I should handle this or how I should respond or whatever, you know. You mean other labels trying to buy a stake? Yeah, like either buy a stake or like offer, you know, like distribution deal, whatever. Like there's there's obviously a million I've never I've scenarios. never really had that. Like okay. I think I think I've actually had Victory Records send me an email about distribution out of all labels. <laughs> Which that seems that seems kind of weird. I yeah. mean, I've had you know, I've had bigger distributors, you know, you know, take an interest in me, which is cool. I mean, sure. it's just a, uh, there has to be a level of uh, comf- comfortability or what's the word? I got to be comfortable. Right. You know, with the people I work with and who I deal with. And I'm very, like today, especially this, you know, especially today, I'm very evasive and very, very careful on who I, who I work with. Sure. You feel you feel like their their reputation needs to precede them. Yeah, before I mean, I, you know, I've I've had interest from you know one of the big big distributors over here to you know that they want to distribute me, mm-hmm. but you know I don't know if that could benefit me. You know, sure. there's certain factors that I could that could that I have to take into account that may not benefit me. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the certain sacrifices I have to make. Sure. You know, and my pocketbook will get hit. Right. You know, quite a bit. But I've seen, like, not, there, have, there hasn't been any, like, labels actually mm-hmm. trying to buy a stake or, because I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, there's obviously been, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go under, you know, get distribution under a bigger label. I think that'd be, that'd be kind of pointless. And those things never work out anyways. Like, I've seen other labels kind of go under the wing of a bigger label. Sure. And you, dude, no, it doesn't work out. In the yeah, long run. there's very, there's like there's one out of like every fifteen or twenty that do work, but most of them fail. Yes. Yeah, and then the ones that do work, they don't last more than two years. Sure. I don't know they'll work for like a couple of years, but I, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen some labels just try it out, which is fine, but I've never really had that desire. Like I always want to do it myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, again, back to the control thing. I want to do it myself. You know, I want to work hard myself, build it up. You know, build it up myself without the help of, you know, a bigger label. I mean, I've, I've inquired. Don't get me wrong. I've inquired. You know, like when the label was first starting out, I did inquire about stuff like that. Sure. At the same time, I don't think they were really interested in what I was doing. Right. I think they underestimated what I would have, what I would end up becoming. Sure. I think I, uh, I get that sense a lot. Like, you know, and I'm sure a lot of labels are kind of keeping an eye on what I'm doing or trying to predict my next move. I've been told from some sources that certain labels that will not be named (laughs) um, are keeping a close eye on me and they're trying to predict my next move. You're the the tastemaker. (laughs) Yeah, and and then these labels are, you know, they're trying to figure out how I do this. Right. I mean, I'm I'm one guy. You're like what, five, ten guys? Right. <laughs> That's kinda interesting. But I'm flat you know, obviously I'm flattered, don't get me wrong. It's, yeah. No, it it's it's, it's flattering. It's, it's flattering and funny at the same time. It's cool. And you know, even like 
but it's it's cool because even I remember. Um, so I you know I do get that. You know, from what I've recently heard, actually, from what you know, Josh actually gave me a heads up on. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys are you know on your tail, so so to speak. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's that's fine. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not. <laughs> I don't feel threatened or anything. <laughs> right. You always, right. you always, you always want to have something up your sleeve, but mm-hmm. you know, it's again, it's it's cool when you when you when you get word that Brian Slagle is a fan of what you do. Of course. So stuff like that, it's like holy shit, you know. You know, you, you feel flattered. Um, I think because one of the one of the bands I work with, I think you know they were Metal Blade was initially interested in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name who. Just, sure. You know, out of, but and you know, obviously I was totally cool. I was like, that's awesome. You know, sign with them. If you know, if it's a good deal, work it out. That'd be so cool. Good, you know, you guys deserve it. And and you know, Metal Blade. Or like you know what if you, you know it's you know hopefully it's totally cool with you we don't want to step on your toes you really respect you know you really respect what you do mm-hmm. so stuff like you know there's been, there's, you know that was kind of cool um, that kind of experience that kind of that kind of yeah that feedback that you get from people that feedback that I got that you know Metal Blade were interested in you know a band I I released and whatnot so so would you with with all that being said would you ever entertain an offer if a label were to come in and be like hey we'll give you know we'll buy a percentage of the company um you know you can retain the creative control and essentially we would just kind of be business advisors and that type of stuff or no i probably i probably wouldn't yeah no nah, no nah, i'm not i'm not interested i mean <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it just wouldn't make me comfortable sure in a way so I, you know, I like the way it is now. I, you know, I have to, you know, as long as I'm comfortable and I'm comfortable in dealing with the people, you know, the, the few, the very few people I deal with, because yeah. you know, I'm very, you, you become more selective as, you know, the longer, I, the longer I do this, the more selective I've become with the people. Yeah, who you let into the circle, so to speak. Who I let into the circle, exactly, and that's, you know, that's, you know, very. It's a it's a pretty tight knit circle, but <laughs> there's some people you want to keep at a distance as well too. Of course. So, but yeah, it's kind of interesting how things are panning out in that way. You know, the more attention you get, the more your peers in the industry are kind of like, <laughs> kind of like, okay, we gotta, you know, how you know, gotta wake up here. We're gonna see how. How could, how could we model model ourselves after Profound Lore, except on a bigger and scale? And then you know, for me, the, there's no big secret. It's not like I mapped everything out, right? Into this like grand design. You know, <laughs> it's it's just things just happen. It's it's a whole it's a natural process on how this thing grew. Yeah. There's no there's no secret. There's no yeah. You're not you're not reading a book that they're not reading. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. You're not re- you're not reading how to run a independent metal label 101. Yeah, or how to run an independent metal label for dummies or anything. <laughs> well, that. None of that. I don't know. I can't explain it. There's no yeah. like. There's an there's a you know inherent built aesthetic. Right. Or or Ooh. or if that isn't a book that exists, you should probably write it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> there's there that that's your retirement plan. Yeah, <laughs> but I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know how to write it because it's hard to explain in itself. Yeah, you just, it's, it's like just, a, it's a three-page manual where one, it just happens. Two, don't don't spend a ton of money. And three, find good bands. Find good, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, Simple. we everyone everyone who runs you know small and you know even a small independent label, you know they know you know these people you know these people know what they want. They're you know sometimes our tastes cross-pollinate, mm-hmm. you know, aesthetically as well, too, so we, you know. So, we, <clears throat> sort of, in conclusion with all of that, yeah. um, what, so basically the, the level that you're at right now with the label is something that you're going to be comfortable with for this foreseeable future. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. I'm not looking, here's the deal, I'm not looking to consciously become the next big label. Mm-hmm. You know, some labels out there are, they're trying, like, to find ways to, you know, this in, I mean, this industry, it's, on, it's teetering on its axis. It's in contemplation. There's a, there's a lot of uncertainty involved. But I'm like, I'm just, you know, I got to be aware of stuff like that. But I'm not like consciously trying to make this the next big label. 
you know, I'm just going to continue doing my thing and doing, you know, releasing stuff I really can connect and resonate with. Sure. I'm not like, I'm not desperate. Right. That's the thing. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. That's important. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking to make this, you know, I'm not looking to take, okay, the next big step. If that step comes, it's going to come and I'm going to take it naturally as it, you know, as I should. Right. You're but, not, you're not, you're not going to hire a five person staff in, you know, three weeks and then all of a sudden be like, Hey, where did all my money go? Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I, like I said, I do everything myself. It'd be, you know, it's always nice to have help, especially with the grunt work. Right. And stuff like that. Cause you know, I'm, I, you know, I got to unload the trucks. I got to organize, you know, a lot of the physical stuff. It's so glamorous. It takes its yeah, it takes its toll. And you know, as much as I like to see my distributor put in a, put in an order for me, I got to be like, oh fuck, I got to put this together. <laughs> got to drive to the storage unit, put these boxes. You know, oh, man, it does take its toll, and it's just kind of like it tr- kind of drains you a bit. Of course. So in a way, you should be excited that yeah, you know, they take more product, but at the same time, it's like, oh. You're like, dude, don't please don't order four hundred more units of the Paul Bear CD. Please don't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As much as I want them to, right, right, right. But you know, they, you know, that's amazing if they do. I, you know, I get excited. It's right. like, okay, I gotta. But then the then the logistics come into play, and it's like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. I mean, it's a bummer just the physicalness of it, like you're saying. Yeah, well, I gotta drive to the storage unit. And <laughs> it's the process. Pick up the boxes, pack them. Sure. And so, I mean, there's all you know. I can always use help like that, and. You know, I, it's just really hard finding office space where I am. Mm-hmm. I've looked in a few places, and it's just kind of, they weren't really ideal Yeah. in a way. So that's why I guess I work out at home, because sure. know, it's nice. And But I haven't really found the proper, like, kinds of stuff like office space. There hasn't been some, there hasn't been one. You know, right. It's hard to find where I live in the area, and the stuff I've looked at, it's not really been ideal. Sure. So something something I, for you to eventually transition into. It just eh, nothing, it didn't work out. In a, in a way, if it happens, it happens. You know, if I move to a bigger place, you know, that I can afford. Yeah, that'd be good. Right. Well, basically, basically, once uh, once Jay Z shows an ind- or an interest in independent uh, music, and then obviously offers to buy Profound Lore for seven million dollars, then you can probably find some office space. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which, which which I you know that could happen in six months, right? Yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> well, I will uh, wrap this up. But thank you very much for thank obviously you. Uh, hanging out and uh, bullshitting about music because uh, it's fun. Yeah, totally. It was um, that was great. <laughs> <laughs>